you know, dumb people use a simple solution because they're dumb. Average people use a complex solution because they think they're smart. Smart people use a simple solution because they're smart. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right, today's episode is part two from last week's episode where I talk with a good friend of mine, the founder of ClickMinded. ClickMinded started as an SEO course company, and now they make SOPs, templates for agencies. And here's why it's impressive. Tommy does this with just four other people. They have one meeting a week for 30 minutes, and they do 2.3 million in sales, which is insane. The last week's episode, we talked about the pivots and changes and the people he brought on to find product market fit to really hit that level of scale. And today's episode, we go deep into actually how he runs the company with this kind of lifestyle design approach. And it's super inspiring because it's very different and contrarian to the way other people run their companies. And he does it by tackling things like sunk cost fallacy or being very intentional with what he says no to. So if you're a a founder or working for a company and really looking to think differently in how you run and set up your organization, this episode is absolutely for you. And it's all inspired by the most recent blog post he did called Incredibly Difficult and Pointlessly Complicated, where he breaks down how he's been defaulting to simplicity with everything he does. Um, And so we'll link to this blog post in the show notes, but really hope you enjoy part two with Tommy Griffith. So I do want to get into like the whole idea of simplicity and how you kind of use that to run like to go to this next level. But I actually want to get a little bit to the details of growth because going from like a million to like 2.3, I mean, you've like, tripled revenue in two years. Get into the details of that. It's doing 2.3 million in sales. Where's that growth coming from? Is it paid acquisition? You say he's very good at Facebook. You guys were phenomenal at SEO. Is that still driving it? What is that key lever? Yeah, the key new lever is paid advertising. All of our old channels are still working. SEO is a huge driver for us. Our, Our funnel and kind of our automations are a big part of it. But the sort of new thing is cold traffic from paid ads, which which needed to happen because of a pricing change. Our, 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 our courses are very expensive. They're great, but they're very expensive. And it's very hard to sell to cold traffic on an expensive product, right? So, but in terms of simplicity, this is part one of the funny parts about this whole story. It's like we had all these complicated situations and, and ideas and automations, and they were working but the thing that worked way, way better was the very simple implementation. The stuff that Andre's doing is very simple. He'd be the first one to admit that. It's an ad pointing to a landing page. It's a low dollar offer that everybody takes. And then it's a high dollar offer that some people take. There's nothing secret 
about that. Every every YouTube tutorial on how to do Facebook ads will tell you this. There's nothing really there. But we just decided to do all of the insanely complicated stuff first before trying the simple one. <laughs> and you know, we we talk about like this idea of what is it the IQ bell curve as far as or kind of kind of break that down because you've kind of had this evolution because you talked about let's do all the hard marketing things like the automate everything have a webinar let's make exceptions for everybody but you had to go down this complicated path to figure out mm -hmm. simplicity right and so, so i don't know we as marketers and founders you want to like think you have this secret sauce and this custom formula but it's really like the more you get into it it's like just keep it simple right yeah so i mean Pretty much the reason why I wrote this blog post is because I kept seeing this meme show up. I don't know if you've seen it or maybe you can post it in the show notes, but it's called the IQ bell curve meme. And it's so funny. And I, I, I keep seeing it show up in my life in not just business, but like other outrageous areas. But the, the idea is like, we all think we're smarter than we are. And in not just business, but all these categories of my life, I've found myself doing this. And the description of the meme is, like it's basically making fun of average people who think that they're smart. And so it's used <laughs> to convey this idea that, you know, dumb people use a simple solution because they're dumb. Average people use a complex solution because they think they're smart. Smart people use a simple solution because they're smart is the basic idea. And you can just see this in so many areas of life. And I just listed a bunch of examples like productivity tools, right? The average the average guy is like Asana, Trello, Notion, Rome, Evernote, ClickUp, Second Brain, Zapier, Monday, Pomodoro timers, Moleskin <laughs> notebooks, right? But like the dummy and the genius, it's like notepad.txt or like Apple Notes, yeah. right? With fitness is another one, like Atkins, Keto, Paleo, Vegan, Whole30, <laughs> Fasting, CrossFit, SoulCycle, Hot Yoga, Glucose Monitoring. And the dummy and the, the genius, it's like eat less and move more right yeah. investing is another one options crypto gold spacs meme stocks hedging all weather portfolio angel investing and the dummy and the genius it's like buy the s p 500 right right yeah. so it's just I, I just kept seeing this show up in my life and i kept being that in the meme word the meme term is called the midwit the guy in the middle yeah. <laughs> who just decides decides he it can't life can't be that simple i have to make it complicated and i just kept seeing these moments in my life where like a brand new dumb newbie and a 10-year experienced veteran jedi were like doing the same simple thing and it's always the average mediocre person in the middle overcomplicating things. And I say that in an endearing way as being the average mediocre person in the middle, trying all the complicated stuff first before going back into a more, much more simple sort of way to implement. You know what I mean? I know it makes me cringe as I think at my older self, like trying to explain to a client about how we run Facebook ads and how we like created the new like formula for relativity or something. And it's like now when I do these like startup talks, they're like, what's the key to like making a startup that works? I'm like, solve a problem that people have. And it's like kind of <laughs> underwhelming. And I try and spice it up, but I'm like, that's kind of just it. And then I'll like walk away and people are just like, what a dummy. But I'm like, that's kind of it. You know, it's that simple. But yeah, that one hit a little too close to home, but it, but it's so true. And so 
like you talk about simplicity and you mentioned some like conventional wisdom that you have around it. Elaborate on those that like people can take home from whether it's the, the mom's wisdom or to cutting your losses, like some things you've done to, to help you. Yeah. So if you buy into this idea that like maybe the simple way is better, maybe simplifying it is actually very Jedi and more advanced. It, it doesn't mean that it's easy. Simple does not mean easy. And the, my favorite example of this, this guy, I don't know if you follow this guy, Zach Cantor. Um, mm -mm. A couple years ago now, he tweeted out something that blew my mind. It forced me to read this book. He compared two incredibly different books, which was the first one was Marie Kondo, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Have you heard about this book, The Personal uh, Organizer? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you should see my closet right now, man. I'm, 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 you, I'm doing it. You fully color coordinated and all that over there? I'm, I'm at uh, peace with only things that bring me joy right now in my closet. Right, exactly. They only spark joy, right? So <laughs> this guy, this guy tweets out this example. He talks about this for anyone who hasn't read it, or I, she's got a Netflix show now, apparently, but it's this personal organizer from Japan named Marie Kondo. And she writes about how you know, personal organizing is, there's all these things in this book, right? But the one sentence description of the book is throw away everything you don't absolutely love, right? There's this, there's this other book by the Netflix co-founder. It's called No Rules Rules. And it's like the story of Netflix and how they got started and all this, this is a long book. But the one sentence description of it is fire your B players, right? Fire your B and C players, right? And the guy, this guy, Zach Cantor, he tweeted about this. He, he tweeted about these two very different books. And he, but he says the, the takeaway from both of them is the same. You don't need to read the book. You could sit there in the bookstore and read the first <laughs> sentence. And everyone does the same thing. They, they read the first sentence, throw away everything you don't absolutely love. And everyone reacts the same way. They say, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to throw away everything I don't love, but let me just keep reading and we'll see where this goes, right? <laughs> and it's, it's the same thing with the Netflix thing. Say, you say, fire all of your B players. And you say, okay, well, I'm not going to do that, but let's see where this goes. Both of these things are simple, but not easy. Right. They're very, very simple ideas. It does not mean that they're necessarily easy. And so, you know, some of this stuff, like, like in our business now that we're doing, it is a lot more simple. It doesn't necessarily mean we're, we're kicking back and drinking coconuts and hanging out on hammocks all the time. It's, it's not necessarily that. It just means that the goal and the constraints and the, what we have to do every day is incredibly narrow and straightforward. And that is a huge tailwind. It helps a lot, right? To simplify that kind of stuff. So some of the other examples I talked about in this post is like a simple but, but not easy one is like your mom's non-negotiables, right? Everyone's mom had non-negotiables. For me, it was you're brushing your damn teeth, you're going <laughs> to school, and you're not quitting, right? And like that last one, such a good one. We had that one as well. That that's such a strong one. It's it's a strong one. It's a strong one. You had to finish the season. You had to finish the 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 end of the school year. If you pick up piano, you have to do it until like the end of the summer or whatever it is. But like you can't quit. But the point there is like those rules were simple, but they were not easy as a kid, right? Another another one was like almost everything has happened before. I just keep reading these books, like Ray Dalio's book. I don't know if you read that one. Principles. So good. Wanting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wanting. Do you read this one, Luke Burgess? I haven't. Um, I've read Influence, but I need to do wanting. You're like the third person that's brought that one up. 
it's it's a great one but all of these are basic it's basically you know zoom out look at all of human evolution and look at all of our history and it turns out like we are basically hairless ape algorithms doing the same things over and over again for a hundred thousand years it's basically like what these books all say right and that idea and it keeps coming up in finance and in marketing and in like all these other things that idea is simple but it's not it doesn't mean life is suddenly easy right it doesn't yeah. suddenly mean that like you can read people's minds but that that sort of concept that like you can use history to predict future markets and all that is it's simple but but not easy you know yeah i love that but, um, one because even like as an agency owner like when just starting it's like we're going to do it completely different we're the non-agency agency we're so different from the others and then as you get into it you know what people have been doing service-based businesses for a very long time i should just learn from those people and we can innovate on our top two percent of things to be positioned different but it's like just do what everybody else has done that has thrived in this it's like you are not a special snowflake in the most positive way right exactly that's a great that's a great example the last one i'll say and this one was this one it may not have fit the post as much but it, it's affected me so personally that i wanted to talk about it which was relentlessly cutting your losses i want cutting i want to losses. go deep on this this one i got some major fomo but go deep on this okay i'd love to i'd love to hear it i mean the the basic idea for me is that I think sunk cost fallacy is the biggest driver of low quality decisions in the world. I think sunk cost fallacy causes more heartache and heartburn and trauma and sadness in the world than anything, because it's really, really, really hard for us to get to get through this. And one of the reasons that Cialdini talks about this in Influence and it's his rule on commitment and consistency. Apparently this is like a biological thing. Like we are sort of wired to like find inconsistencies. It's like a tribal thing. Like when we see someone being inconsistent, like a stranger comes up to you in the middle of the street or like someone's doing something that you weren't expecting, you're sort of like, your like red flags go off a little bit, your sirens go off and it's like a, human evolutionary thing so we're also wired in the reverse to want to be consistent we want to be viewed as a consistent person to our family to our kids to our to our friends we like because we want to see that in other people we want it for ourselves and so we carry this over in this bizarre way where we think that our current thoughts feelings and actions have to match our past thoughts feelings and actions and for some things that might make sense, but in the current modern world, it's ridiculous. You don't you don't have to always like the New England Patriots for forever. You don't have to always love the playing the piano for forever. You don't have yeah. to always do do the keto diet for forever, right? But like we build up these bizarre, you know, people build like a a brand presence online, or they support a politician, or they like they they make some public prediction that something's going to happen, and then they just contort themselves in bizarre ways to like fit their past sort of actions they don't give themselves any wiggle room to to change right this happened with me when i i, I moved to miami i uh, it was the middle of covid i moved to miami i didn't know where i wanted to live in the us and everything made sense on paper right like miami's this you know it's this warm climate all these people were moving there the the tax scheme is really good there's like all these reasons to go there and i got there and i moved in and i got an apartment and i signed a one-year lease 
and I was miserable. I was absolutely <laughs> miserable. I hated it. And I found myself, this actually happened with my, with Andre and Eduardo, with my co-founders. I, 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 we had a team meeting. I flew out to see them. I was very unhappy with Miami, but I was lying to people. I caught oh. myself lying to people and they'd say, how's Miami? And I'd say, it's amazing. And this and that, and it's so great. And look at my apartment and look at how great it is. I just see and with this like, amazing tan and like a linen shirt, half unbuttoned, just killing all it. this, <laughs> right? All this. And so, and my, my co-founder Eduardo said, he just looked at me very calmly. You know, he's kind of more of an engineer. He's very straightforward. He doesn't mess around at all. He just looked at me and he says, Oh, that's interesting. I hate Miami. And then I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I got very defensive. I was very, very, and why, why do you hate it? And this and that. And I was giving all these reasons for it. And he like, didn't even try and fight back. He just said, eh, yeah, that's fine. I just, I can't stand it. And he said, he's from Venezuela. And he said, Miami is like LA for Latin America. I just hate it. Mm, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. He just had an opinion. It didn't matter what mine was. He just said his opinion and walked away. And for like a week, I've, I've, I've talked with him about this, but for like a week afterwards, I was sitting there and I was like, I was trying to unpack that. I was like, why did I lie to a friend yeah. and a yeah. co-founder about something that didn't matter? Yeah. Why did I, why did I care? And the reason why is because I was trying to be consistent, right? Why am I living in Miami if I hate it? Why would I be there? Like, like my, my story had to line up in my head. Totally. And so I was I was committing sunk cost fallacy. I was living in a city where I didn't want to be there, but I had signed a lease and I had told 20 people I'd move there. And I, <laughs> you know, I was sort of I had done these things. And once I sort of realized that. I packed up all my stuff and left and moved to New York and in New York, it was I shouldn't have gone to New York like the my apartment was twice as expensive. It, the taxes are way higher. Like I got half the apartment for twice the price. There's all these reasons to hate New York. And I just love it here. I absolutely love the city for, and there's, there's on paper, it makes absolutely no sense, but I'm like much happier and comfortable and, and excited to be here. And so I just personally have caught myself lying to myself and to other people around meaningless, like not nefarious, but just like pointless sort of things because my, my story had to line up in my own head. And I have a funny feeling that a lot of people do this. So I wanted to talk to talk about this publicly. Sunk cost fallacy and relentlessly cutting your losses. Simple, but not easy. It's so true because you kind of like, even like how I, I put this as how family members view you at a time in your life. Oh, you're the basketball player. You're the academic person. You're this. And you feel like because that labels on you, you have to always kind of like, live up to that or be that or that's how they see you in your mind and sometimes it's easy to break away other times you're like oh that's the label i've been put into and i, I have to hold that and it's um i think it takes some real self-awareness to be able to do that or it takes a good co-founder that can just kind of shoot you straight to put perspective into things but, um, <laughs> no man you're 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 giving me a therapy session here that that's super interesting are you a business owner in desperate need of talent but you have issues finding good people. Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where Remotely Talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A-plus talent, and here's the best part, it costs you 40 or even 80% less than US employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, 
website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose. And another thing that you said that was super interesting because you talk about simplicity, and I think it also means blocking things out. You had this comment around, you know, your attention. And you said like your attention has a dollar value. Every alert, notification, text message, email, and social media post you see has a dollar value. The next time you get an unsolicited message, instead of dismissing it and waiting for it to happen again, imagine that every dollar being deducted, every dollar amount being deducted from your bank account. And I think about that because... I am so into my email. I'm so into Slack. Notifications can drive my day. I'm reading the book and Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. And he talks about if you really want to be serious about this, the first thing you do, get an executive assistant, give them your calendar and your email because it's sucking the creativity out of your business because you're not focusing on the one thing. And I think you have been very disciplined about where to block things and where to say no to things. But has that been big with you and the team going to that next level? Yeah. I mean, I I have not forced anyone on the team to do this. Maybe we should. (laughs) I've just, it took me, it took me long enough to just get this sorted on my own. But the idea here is, I I think the funny way to think about this one, yeah, the, the rule I wrote was simple, but not easy. Be aggressively intentional with your technology. Yeah. And that, the, the, the really easy way to think about this is this, like, and this is another dorky historical sort of context thing, but like humans have been around for 100,000, 200,000, 400,000 years, jury's out on that, something like that. But the ability to get a notification that Will Smith has slapped Chris Rock <laughs> and we on the other side of the world, and we all know within 30 seconds is insane. That is so magical slash unbearably unhealthy, right? (laughs) That is like, like Naval Ravikant said this. He said for 99.9% of humans existence, we never knew anything going on outside of a five mile radius. Mm, Yeah. And now we suddenly have to have an opinion on everything, everywhere, all the time (laughs) for forever, right? And so like the point here is just that like defaults matter. They really matter now. You are an ape driven by like food and shelter and getting more bananas. And you are empowered with a technology that is way too powerful for you. Way too powerful, right? So you have to find these sober moments where you treat yourself like a child. (laughs) And you have to say like, you are not emotionally capable of getting a relentless number of text message updates from ESPN and like yeah. your news site and like whatever it else it is you're, you're doing, you know? But what about you? You're getting daily sales updates. Like, don't you just want to be looking at your Stripe notifications or whatever it's coming in? Like, how do you control no. that? No, once a week. 
Everything, everything's once a week in a 30 minute meeting for the business. Yeah. Relentlessly even like newsletters that I would love to follow and all that, just relentlessly unsubscribing, marking a spam, using boomerang or the snooze button in, in Gmail. Inbox is always is always zero, but it's because I'm doing a ton of filtering, deleting, uninstalling, silencing. Because it's just, it's too, it's too much to give any one system all of your defaults. We're just not capable mm -hmm. of it. It's really, 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 really hard. So I, I think I wrote, yeah, I wrote, the impossibility of the situation we've found ourselves in is remarkable. The only real solution is to acknowledge how ridiculous this all is and then do the best that you can. That means taking personal responsibility for the role that technology and information plays in your life. So like when you get an unsolicited push notification from someone, you need to think like that company just paid $4.23 to send this notification to me. That's been deducted from my bank account. I yes. And if you're okay with that, then fine, leave it. But if you're not, you need to act on that right away and uninstall it. And the only reason why we're all okay with this is because it's not actual money being deducted. It's your time. Yeah. Well, so which is your most precious resource, thinking. right? But we it's, don't think of exactly. it that way. So I almost want to nerd like, so you have Gmail, you go to inbox zero, you're using tools like Boomerang to prune it. Like whenever, like your mobile phone, are you just like with any app, it's like no notification notifications. It's just really trying to be disciplined with mobile device, your phone and how you run your company. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. No, no mobile notifications at all on my phone. There's maybe so you get text messages, right? But that's like it. I would get text. Yeah. Like text. And I'm, because I'm on an Android and it comes coming in on the green bubble, all my iPhone friends hate texting me anyway. So they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they, they barely text me. Yeah. But yeah. No notifications on the phone. Every morning I'll go through email, but it's always the, the, the typical, what's it called? Paul Allen, getting things done. Yeah, Everything GT, needs to be yeah. either. Yeah. Act on, acted, delegated or deleted. And so it's like, go through the inbox that day and like, remove everything, like do all of that. But the the big thing is with your phone. I think when you're at your laptop, at your desktop, you have a little bit more, more wiggle room there. Like you're kind of like more in control and you're usually there to work. Yeah. The phone is the real, the real killer. The phone yeah. is the, I'm doing this one thing and I'm being interrupted sort of. You've inspired me. I will take away some notifications. I don't think I can take all of them. And, so well, but so that's the key though. And I actually love nerding out on this. It's, this wasn't where I was planning on this going, but the, the, <laughs> the point here is not that is not that notifications are bad. The point here is that unintentional yes. anything yeah. is bad. If you want it, it's fine. Of course you should get notifications from your wife or your kids or whatever. Or of course, like if you're an absolutely, you know, massive Golden State Warriors fan and you want to see everything they tweet, like, of course mm -hmm. do that, right? But letting a company's pre-installed app settings decide what you're going to do that way yeah. as a monkey who just figured out like basic <laughs> sentience, like it's insane. It's we're, we're so predictable. We're so predictable that letting the pre-installed settings determine your day is is just dangerous. So it's just one of these things that sort of keeps coming up in my life over and over again. Simple, but not easy.
Yeah, my, my partner, Jonathan, is so much better at that than I am. It's a little annoying, too, because he'll like snooze text and Slack so he can do deep work. But I like will desperately need him because some emergency because someone proactively hit me up and I get all notifications and I like can't get a hold of him for two hours. But then he comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, in that two hours, I like redesigned and developed the website. Here's this. I was like, oh, yeah, your way is so much better than mine. So <laughs> when I was reading through your blog posts, I was really excited to have a hot take to put you in the hot seat and do some contrarian thinking around. I think it's wrong that you have grown this way. I was I was going to go down this path of you should have stayed and been a solo founder that runs like a Justin Welsh style business that's like one to two billion without you. But as we've talked beforehand, and we got more into the numbers, I realized that that was totally wrong, that you are doing the right path. And it's really impressive. <laughs> one thing that I want to hit on, and this is going to make everybody listen really angry, because it's going to make me angry. Will you tell people about what you all have done in an intentional way to run this company in the most efficient way? And how many times you're actually meeting or doing deep work versus how you've been able to have free time? Because I think one thing that I was impressed about with ClickMinded is when you set it up initially, it was really inspired by in, in a very positive way, the four-hour work week on lifestyle design. How have you kept that with the new setup of the company? Yeah, everything. So it's interesting. The who you take advice from is really important. So if you're if you're unfortunately if you're brand new and you haven't started anything yet, you can't. You have to be willing to kind of like eat crap for a little bit of while and for a little bit of time and like sort of say yes to everything. That beginning phase, you have to say yes to everything. I had to say yes to everything for a very long time at the beginning. Right, a lot of a lot of physical in person teaching of of students and all that to like figure out the product and what people's problems were and stuff like that. But once you get to a certain point, it it becomes suddenly important to figure out who your avatar is and then relentlessly say no to the people that aren't a good fit for your customers and also for the type of people you want to hire and your team and the type of team that you're building. We have one 30 minute meeting per week on Mondays at 9am. It's kind of a summary of everything we're going to do. Sometimes it's an hour. Anytime a client or customer says, I urgently need to call you. I, I have some reservations about this. Please call me immediately right away. It's usually all caps locks. It's usually multiple exclamation <laughs> points. We relentlessly block, mark as spam, unsubscribe, don't reply, or tell them like, here's the FAQ page. Relentlessly. Mm -hmm. It has been so painfully obvious who's not a good fit for the business. Someone who doesn't read the FAQ page is a great example of someone that we do not want as a customer. They are always unhappy. They don't know what they're looking for. They often ask for refunds. It's better for them and for us, for us to just tell them, please do not sign up. Mm -hmm. So we've designed the the... The whole business is all asynchronous. So no one, nothing's ever due at a certain moment. There's never any meetings outside of that Monday morning meeting. The team's distributed all over the place. A lot of the, the writers and people creating SOPs and stuff like that, everything's done on Asana. So it's all kind of like do it at your own, at your own sort of pace. Week-long and month-long timelines are usually the 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 thing, right? We get requests from users, but we sort of batch them into like when we should create them and we don't make any guarantees on when they'll be done. It's all sort mm -hmm. of designed on when we want to do it. The 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 bit the best way to think about this, like we're an informational product business, but it really is kind of like SaaS 
sort of development cycle in unit economics. Yeah. Uh, right. Where we, what's really fun as a company is like now everyone's doing different things, but like we have these moments where we go into development mode where we're kind of like doing more creating and less selling, like in general. And then we switch and we go into selling mode where we're like doing more selling and less, a uh, little bit less, less development. And so that kind of like cycling is actually quite fun because it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's more simple. You're doing fewer things at a higher sort of quality. And so, yeah, so for us so far, it's, it's worked out really well. All right. A million questions. So this Monday meeting, like we're, we do EOS entrepreneur operating system. We have a Monday meeting. It is an hour long. We go through our scorecard. Why has it worked so well that you can run your business 30 minutes a week? Is it one, because you have an amazing framework for how you run the meetings and planning or two, was it getting, you know, Andre to be the CEO to take charge, or maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. We looked at EOS. I read EOS. I I considered implementing it. We were kind of already half doing it in our own style, and it was really working for Andre. I, it's not that I'm not a believer in EOS. It's just that the guy who's currently running my business has a way that is working for him, totally. and there just didn't seem like a reason to interrupt that. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the root of the I should have added this to the post. The root of the success has been an annual roadmap. Like we come up and agree to a full one-year plan for everything we're going to do, what our goals are. And then that's broken down into quarters. And we check on it every week. We check on that every week. And we also have really good Google Data Studio or Google Looker now dashboards. So like having dashboards that track these metrics and visualizing it solves 90% of the problem. Good. I'm convinced that good data visualization is the key to most people's problems now, whether mm. it's your business, hot take, I like calorie, it. Hot take. Calorie <laughs> counting, right? Whether it's like, I'm really into the smart home stuff and like just the, the act of having a smart scale where you step on it and it just puts your weight in a cloud somewhere so you can check it or like an Apple watch that like checks your steps and puts it somewhere. Like the ability to just look at the problem in a on a graph and it nine times out of ten you'll know what the problem is like oh i'm eating candy bars at 9 p.m at night every day <laughs> like clearly on this on this chart right but but this becomes obvious in our business every week when we we look at our data studio dashboards and we see oh we're 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 under our revenue goal 10 percent, or we're over our <laughs> revenue goal 20%. We missed this and we just talk about it and why we missed it or why we're over it. And then we, mm -hmm. we solve it. So yeah, I think the short answer to, to your question is an annual plan that we've all agreed to that we check in on every week with really good data visualization has gotten us very far. Gotcha. So yeah, planning. So you can think ahead. You have the the cadence or rhythm to meet once a week and adjust and tweak that or maybe and tweak the plan. So you after this 30 minute meeting, it's Monday at 9:30 a.m. or whatever time is, you have the rest of the week. What are you doing? You're no longer the CEO. What does Tommy do? <laughs> what would you don't say ask, you do here, don't ask, Tommy? Don't, don't, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to, Joe. <laughs> no, I mean. I mean, it's, it's for, for me, I've kind of been the, at least for the last year, I've kind of been like the weird special projects guy, you know, 
Uh, I've been I've been doing a lot of the like, like weird risky bet sort of stuff while like the adults run the actual business. You know, I'm like the kid they push over into the closet. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go, well, what is uh, that? Is that testing new products? Is that acquiring companies? Is that like in any color? Yeah. So, I mean, in the past, it was a lot of that stuff, right? We made a couple of site acquisitions or, or maybe a year or two ago. Stuff like, for example, back, probably start doing this again. Podcast appearances might be one of them, right? Get that um, backlink. Get that backlink. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. But, but, you know, other things like I've taken on a lot of the kind of payment processing, HR, kind of like no one's really capable of doing it. So it's kind of more janitorial work and sort of new problems that have shown up because we've grown a lot. And so so it's been a lot of those. But then the next phase is going to be crazy projects. So we have a couple of ideas we've been scheming on that are like wildly different bets. And that's also sort of my sweet spot. I sort of like starting from zero. Yeah. And making things happen with with little to no momentum and that's kind of like andre's worst nightmare right is is that sort of thing so that's sort of what's on tap but but in general yeah if you're sitting here and you're thinking okay what would i do i run my company if i brought in a ceo what would i do every day the way i think about it is janitor work and crazy ideas You know, there's there's this persona it was dave kellogg he outside of rob sobers he's a cmo of uh, publicly traded company of Verona's that's on a path to 1 billion. And he talked about two types of people to hire. You have the like, the starter upper, I forget what it's called. And then you have the scale it upper. And he's like, to really go to that next level, you need to scale it upper. Because the started upper, the builder, they're good, but they plateau. They're like generalists that can put everything together, but then you need that person that can go next level. I think you can wear both those hats, but it sounds like Andre definitely fits into that category of the scale it upper. And those are the people that can be gold for someone that's really good at tinkering and building. But that's that's super interesting. I I wanna well, I know we've been talking for a long time. So, like one last question I had is, you know, the the, the growth is awesome. You're running it the right way. I'm so happy for you and jealous and envious. It's super impressive. Just with the structure and the discipline with the business. Like, what's the goal here? Like, how do we land this plane, right? It's like, you know, it's going well. Is it to the moon? Is it going public? It's like, hey, let's just keep cruising along. Or are you like, we'll figure it out at the annual planning meeting. And like, how do you, Andre and Eduardo, have alignment on that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is, I mean, this is probably the root of why I wrote this post and the quasi-therapy session stuff and i sort of ended the post with that with the uh, i don't know if you ever read that parable the the fisherman and the banker yeah right which is the kind of the root of of, of everything i mean in general right now do you mind kind of summarizing that just so people know what you're talking about it's such a good one yeah it's a it's a great one it became very popular recently it's like a it's like a many thousand year old parable but it's been modernized and the basic idea is I can read little clips of it. An American investment banker is at the pier of a small village in Mexico. A fisherman comes to the shore and he's pulling his fish out. And the banker says, how long have you been fishing? And the fisherman says, a, a little while. The banker says, why don't you go go back out and catch more fish? And he says, yeah, I've got all that I need. I don't need any more fish. And he says, well, what do you do with the rest of your time? And basically the question you just asked me, right? And, and the fisherman <laughs> says, 
<laughs> well, I sleep late. I fish a little. I play with my kids. I take siestas with my wife. I stroll into the village. I drink wine with my buddies and I play guitar. I have a full and busy life. The banker says, well, I have an MBA from Harvard and I can help you. You should spend more time fishing. With the proceeds, you can buy a bigger boat. With those proceeds, you can buy an even bigger boat. And then soon you'll have several boats. And then eventually you'll have a whole fleet. Once you have a fleet, instead of selling to a middleman, you can sell directly to the processor and eventually become your own processor. You control the product, the processing, and the distribution. <laughs> you would then need to move to Mexico City and then to LA and then eventually to New York. And the fisherman says, how long will this all take? And the banker says, 15 to 20 years. And the fisherman says, but then what? And the banker laughs and says, well, by that time, you can IPO, sell your company stock and make millions. And the fisherman says, millions, and then what? And the banker says, then you can retire and move to a small fishing village where you can sleep late, <laughs> fish with your kids, take siestas with your wife, drink wine, and play guitar with your friends. And yeah, I mean, I, I wrote in the post, like, this is a cute story, but it ends with a profound question. Is there a chance that you're chasing something that you already have? And I think a lot of us in, these, in our situation might be there. Maybe we have what we want. And everyone gets to decide that for themselves, you know? And so like, yeah, I mean, the short answer, like right now I'm living the dream. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. And if this stays exactly the, the way it is and doesn't change at all, I'm very okay with that. Yeah. So in terms of, in terms of what's, what's next, I have no idea, but I think it's really important to, like I said before, it doesn't mean you have to or not have to do something just like with your, your push notifications. It's just about making sure it's intentional and that you're doing it for the reasons that you, that you actually wanted to, you know? So, so right now, no, like I get the most joy out of, it's very cool to see customers that absolutely love us and we make their lives way easier. It's very cool to see people on the team growing a ton and getting super excited. It's very cool talking to people like you about how the last 10 years have gone. And so right now my plan is to continue to stay out of the way and, and see how it goes. <laughs> and it's, I, I just absolutely love getting your perspective on things. Cause I think it's really easy to go down the path of what you're told. Like I was a finance major in college. It's like, Oh, finance major, you go work in investment banking and you do private equity and then get MBA. And, and that's the path. But, and you're like, okay, then I'm following that path. Cause I, again, I'm a, a dumb monkey chasing bananas. And then I'm like, oh wait, I could do something different. And I feel like you've always been quick to be like, let me rethink this and have an original view. And it's, it's really refreshing. Cause you know, I think people just go down this path because it's, it's what they're told. And it's funny, like when I was starting growth hit, I had like this kind of informal, like advisory board where people didn't even know it, but they were on it, where I'd call them and get advice. I had an executive coach. I had someone who's a CMO of a publicly traded company. And then I had Tommy. And I would always ask the same question to the three people. And your answer was always my favorite that I'd get from it. It'd be like, oh, stop doing an agency, just sell this and live your life the right way. But uh, but no, man, it's it's always so fun to to catch up and hear the latest. I hope you do more more frequent posts, but I can't thank you enough. Hey, I want more posts out of you, man. I want to see more growth hit, but I also see one. I want to see more like Jim, Jim, the dad kind of posts. I want to see more dad jokes, more family man kind of stuff. <laughs> I think 
I think it might be off. It might not be on brand for what you're trying to do, but I, I appreciate the intermittent dad joke tweets I see from you every oh, yeah. now and then. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do the morning drop off with my kindergartner, my five-year-old. We take our, our rad e-bike to school. No big deal. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm killing it with kindergarten humor. Like I know that audience so well, I got like rolling laughs from three sets of kindergartners. It's just like, that's my people. Whereas my three-year-old, yeah, I got to work on new material. It is not landing well at all. <laughs> like kindergarten, I'm getting rolling princess shows. It's, it's, it's really good. So anyway, that's incredible. I'll, I'll that's share incredible. that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, cool. Well, Tommy, where, where can people find you? Where should they go? Yeah. We're at clickminded.com. You can check us out. Well, thank you, Tommy. Thanks a lot, Jim. Appreciate it. give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people? Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where remotely talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A plus talent, and here's the best part, it costs you 40 or even 80% less than US employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose.